it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. lovelies. Thanks so much for finding your way to the windowsill this week. I am thrilled that you're here. I have a really special guest this week, someone I really admire, Caitlin Metz. I spend a lot of time digging into Caitlin's Instagram because it's very inspiring to me. And they have a brand new book out, their second, and I saw it online and I just thought, oh my gosh, I have to reach out to them. They probably don't know me from Adam, but I wanted to chat. So I'm bringing that conversation to you now. Caitlin is a wordsmith and an artist and a super feeler, a thinker, and oh, so many more things. I can't wait for you to listen as we dig in. Now, last week, if you haven't listened yet, I just love how these two episodes go together. Last week was another wonderful artist called Brandy Kincaid, and Brandy is a thinker and a wordsmith as well. But these two approach it in their own unique ways. And after speaking to the both of them, I just found myself inspired to try some new things and to just pay attention in a whole different way. So I hope you find similar motivation and inspiration. One of the things that Caitlin said, which you'll hear as you listen, is this. All I want is for everyone to be able to access creativity as a form of relief and self-care. I want you to think about that for a second, because often we think of our creativity as a means to an end or, oh my gosh, how do I figure this out so I can pay the rent or whatever. But what if you started thinking of it as a form of relief and self-care? Because when you're in the zone or when you spend the right kind of time looking inward as to what is calling you to create, I think that can really happen. And Caitlin also mentioned that it doesn't have to be grand what this creativity is. It doesn't have to be. It just sometimes means jotting down something on a scrap of paper. But there's some really, really great thoughts here in this conversation. It's about taking the time to see it, see where you are and see what can be meaningful to you. So a little bit more about Caitlin. In their words, they're an illustrator and designer, a cloud watching filler, a new poetry convert, a wayward design professor a queer, gentle parent. They're also irreverent, silly, and deeply romantic about what art making and feeling your feelings can do for oneself and the world. From drawing to photography, poetry to collaging, Caitlin explores various mediums to express themselves and invites others to do the same. Throughout our conversation, Caitlin shares about the power of the body map and how this can help us understand and navigate pain and other feelings as well, and how it's been a transformative practice for them. I find it super interesting, and I think you might as well. Caitlin also shares just so many really powerful insights about their creative process, including the importance of making space to get bored, engaging in activities that fill us right back up, and recognizing the value of small snippets of writing and record keeping. 
Caitlin also has an amazing new book that's just out. It's their second, and it's called Feel Something, Make Something, A Guide to Collaborating with Your Emotions. And if you hop on over to Caitlin's Instagram, you can learn more about it there or at Caitlin's website, CaitlinMetz.com. I also wanted to let you know that you can't see them, but you can imagine. Caitlin is just so cool and has all these fantastic tattoos. So Patreon listeners, hop on over to In the Windowsill Patreon because I popped in a recording where Caitlin explains and shares all their tattoos with me. I just love the thought behind them all. They're also great looking, mostly designed by Caitlin themselves. So Patreon members, enjoy that little extra. Thanks for being here. I don't want to wait a second longer to bring you this wonderful conversation with Caitlin Metz. Caitlin, thank you so much for being here and just for saying yes to somebody you didn't even know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm delighted to be here. I know Mira and I saw that she was on and I was like, sold. Oh, good. Yeah. You're in the, you're in the same city, basically. Mm-hmm. Close enough. Yep. Oh, good. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's a wonderful one as you are too. And you know, I do get to St. Louis. Oh, I yeah. work with a company there. So I can't wait to see you both next time I'm in town. Oh my gosh. Yes. Do you have any favorite St. Louis spots? You know, I have, there's some antique stores and thrift stores I really like. That's kind of my jam when I get there. It's a cool place. I like those Midwestern secret cities where things are just slightly more affordable. And because of that, you get restaurants and galleries and studios and things that you might not have otherwise. I feel the same about Kansas City, where I did live for a chunk of time. Yeah, the Midwest is kind of magic. It is. Tell me a little bit about your path and how you ended up just doing the creative things that you do. I just feel like they're so accessible to just to the human brain, to the human thought process. It's just so they're so comforting. Yours is one of those Instagrams where I just keep going, keep going. Can't I can't stop. I have to look at another one. I have to look at another one because they just resonate so much. Oh, that's so kind. Yeah. That's like the nicest thing anyone could say about my work is that it is accessible. That is like all I want is for my work, they're not to, for there to be a really low uh, barrier for entry into my work. Um, I have just always someone asked me um, when I started doing like making art or creative stuff, and I was like, I literally cannot remember a time where there was not a pencil in awesome. my hand. So yeah, I drew a lot as a kid. Drawing is like the safest place that I can mm-hmm. go. So I just spent my childhood with a pile of like computer paper on my knees and a pencil in hand. And it just evolved slowly. I went to my undergrad was graphic design. First, I thought I was going to do marketing and that was not for me. I did graphic design. And then halfway through the program, I was like dying to be studio. I was so jealous of all of the people like going to the three-day building and doing studio stuff. But I stuck it out, which I think ultimately was a really good choice for me because I have such a solid foundation in design and that, uh, design work can really pay my bills. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I went and got my MFA in visual art, which is, I just went like nuts in that program. What a great combination. Yes. Yeah. Putting those two things together is great. And it's just been a slow, slow burn. I worked as a nanny for 10 years, just like kind of always kept a little, a job that can just pay the bills and then doing my work. On top of that, right now I teach and that's kind of my one real steady thing, you know, and then just making stuff constantly. 
I think there's something about being a graphic artist as an undergrad or as a, you know, career, whatever that, whatever that is, as a solid, right? And then saying, hey, how can I pay a little bit more attention to the me that wants to show up, not just as let me do this logo for you, but the gut work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Graphic design feels pretty cold. Yes. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of people that, that I work with and talk to who will say, well, I'm a graphic designer, but now it's my turn to be creative or I want to lean more into being creative, like almost separating the two because it is, it's a, it's a job and you're often doing it for someone else. It's not like you can tap into your wildest creative passions. Yeah. And working for a client, I have, I never went to a firm. I was like, that will dry my soul up. And honestly, yeah, sometimes I see my students, like past students out in the world. And part of me just like aches for them because I'm just like, there's so much more. I want you to be creative. I saw some at a show and they were just kind of like sad about the design jobs they had. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, here's your assignment for the way I was like giving them like art prompts. And I was like, go and do this. You got to feed your soul. But design is so powerful. Like you can shape how someone sees the world, like wayfinding and accessibility. And my passion is like working with small businesses Mm -hmm. or creatives to like give them imagery that's really strong um, because there is like the power of graphic design to influence people uh, and the world is I think so much bigger than we give it credit for. Oh my gosh. It it really is a game changer. I mean, when you said you were thinking marketing, really it is, it's creative marketing. It's, it's to me as a lifelong visual creative, it's, it's the start. It's the seed. It's what you see first and then p- say, oh, because that looks like that or the colors are reaching out to me or whatever it is, I I want to see more. And it, I mean, there's some really strong graphic branding out there and it, and it is the person that it comes from. You know, I think that's a massive mm-hmm. gift. And I, it's so under... It's one of another one of those things that I feel is well, it's not beginning to be uh, undervalued just because of all the oh hey I can do a logo for five dollars throw these ideas in and we'll generate a logo for you <laughs> it just doesn't really hit home I don't think yeah not quite the same <laughs> not quite the same but your your work feels like or what you show us and then when you dig a little deeper you see how you share it outwardly in your community and I'm sure with your teaching. It's so personal, but it feels personal to, yes, it's you being personal, but you're like, oh, nailed exactly what you were thinking or worried about or frustrated about or happy about. And I, there's a few people doing that brave enough to like you to show it to the rest of us. And I just am so grateful. I think that's a generous gift. And and what kind of makes you want to do that every day? Well, for me, if I don't get it out of my body, I feel like I'm going to explode. So first and foremost, it is a form of relief and care. Art making has saved my life just over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing, especially with the book that I just put out, what I want most is for people to understand how accessible that is. Like anyone can pick up a pen and a piece of paper and release some of the tension inside their body. Like it does not need to look good. It does not need to be perfect. Um, I am just so not, I try very hard to not be really precious with the things that I create and especially that I put into the world. I'm an Enneagram three. I care Mm -hmm. deeply about my image and like what I can create, but I'm constantly trying to be like, this is not perfect. It does not need to be perfect. Like pulling back the veil as many times as I can. Um, 
Yeah. All I just, all I want is for everyone to be able to access creativity as a form of relief and self-care. Not that everyone needs to like go paint this like huge painting that's going to be in MoMA. Like that is so not my goal in the world is not to create little like artist robots, but to just offer people this tool. And we've been doing this for like, I don't even know, like how many years have we been carving into, you know, cave walls, like the human need to like express and storytell and like let something out and to share it with other people. Um, I just think it's like so innate in us. And it's, there's something that happens, I don't know, like five to seven years old or something where kids Mm. start being like, oh, I'm not good at that. Yeah. Or like something shifts from this like really visceral response. I'm trying so hard right now to learn how to paint from my toddler. Mm -hmm. I'm, I want to paint. It's like this thing, but I always like, I'm not any good at it. I can't do that. I would like realistic stuff is like not my, uh, forte but i'm like the gestural nature of his body and the way that he moves things i've just been mirroring him and being like okay can i also express in this way that's so good yeah there's i have a lot of questions about all those things your book and your sweet babe i think there is that point my son is 15 and i used to watch him just not care you know, just put whatever it was down on the page because he was inspired or he thought about something and he wanted to share it or he saw something and he wanted to recreate it in his way. And now I hear the, oh, I'm not good at that, but oh, you are. And I think too, um, one of the things that I'm so impressed with any creative is somebody that's willing to put their, put it out on the page their way. Like, I feel like your drawing is so great and and it's unique to you i i get stopped by wanting to do something a certain way but i think what is so appealing about anyone's work is when it feels like it's your way you know and yours definitely comes across that way but learning from your sweet toddler is is a lesson another lesson for all of us i read a quote from one of your one of your posts and it said get that shit out on the page and so that makes me absolutely want to ask you about your amazing new book think something, feel something. It just delves into the idea of collaborating with our emotions through art making. And I'd love to know where this whole concept kind of of collaborating with your emotions came up and and the book and all of that. Yeah. So gosh, like getting a book made in the world is such a weird mystical thing. Mm -hmm. I feel like so the way that this book came about is really because of the first book, which was My Body, My Home. Mm -hmm. Um, I co-created that with Victoria Manuela. And that was from an Instagram project and collaboration we'd done called My um, on being in your body. Mm-hmm. And so our editor actually reached out to us on Instagram, like DM'd us and was like, hey, do you want to make this a thing? Like you didn't know them before and they found you there. Yeah, didn't know her. We weren't even really thinking about publishing or making a book. And so that's how the ball got rolling as we created nice. that book. And then from that, I signed with an agent. I guess I don't know why I'm giving you the detail, like the nitty gritty. Because we care. We care. We want to know. Yeah. So, well, I'm always like, yeah, publishing is just such a wild thing. And I definitely feel like I'm in a really privileged position to like be published. And also it's just like such a fluke. I feel like, anyways, I don't know. I just always feel like there's needs to 
be disclaimers. Well, there's disclaimers, but it also, I mean, from the outside looking in and from a life being a lifelong creative director, art director, it comes from showing up as yourselves, the two of you for that book. And you got noticed for that, not from showing yeah. up by doing what other people were doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we were just pouring our heart into that project. So we got that book. I signed with an agent, Laura Lee. She's amazing. And so yeah, this book I pitched, I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this flow that I was using a lot called Feel Something, Make a Zine. And it was this four-step process kind of that broke down mind mapping. And I sent that like kind of as my pitch. And I was like, I want to make this book about what it is to feel and make a thing. Um, And originally, I feel like it was a lot going to be a lot more research based um, and have a lot of other people's voices in it. And then it turns a little bit memoir-esque, which is such a big title, like a very like gentle, like a LaCroix version of a memoir, just a flavor, (laughs) a little hint. Um, Yeah. So Sarah, my editor and Laura Lee, my agent just really gave this book and me space to like breathe and like, let it come to me. We like pushed the date out so many times we missed so many deadlines. Like it just like expanded. And in the acknowledgements, I, write to Charlie, my son. And I was like, this process was elongated and perfected by you. Like, but I went through so much, uh, pregnancy just like ripped me open, shift so many things in my world and art making like more than any other time in my life held me through Mm. that. And then postpartum depression. Um, yeah. So it just gave me a completely new perspective on this thing that I thought I already understood yeah. and it just like refined it. Mm. Well, and I think taking time often when you have a deadline or you're excited about an idea or somebody says, Hey, we want this. It's so tempting to just jump right in and say, okay, here it is. But I don't know if you're, if something in your gut is saying, no, I need it. And we need a little more time. We need to flush this out. Then there's reasons for that. And the right editor will get that too. A hundred percent. Yeah. Having someone who can like see and feel the vision more than just like hold these deadlines, like have a calendar, but who can like get into the thick of it with you is such a gift. That's what you want to, that's who you want to keep working with. A hundred percent. And collaboration is such a part of being a creative, I think, because we spend a lot of time on our own and when you can collaborate it just, or, or just have other eyeballs on your work. I don't know. I feel like I can go a lot further with that. Absolutely. Yeah. This does not happen in a vacuum. Describe a little bit to our lovely audience about this new book and and how it's showing up for people. Because I, it's on order for me. I was hoping it would get here before I talked to you, but I like literally can't wait. It's my new exciting thing to check the mailbox. It's just so good. I can't wait. I should have rushed a copy to you. Oh no, that's okay. But I just, I can't wait for me and my extended family and friends to play with this. So tell me a little bit about what excites you about it. Well, the feedback that I've been, the thing that's most exciting in the feedback I've gotten is two things. One, so many people have talked about the body map, which I didn't expect that to be like the Mm. um, mind blowing thing, but someone was like telling me how they were able to finally understand like where their chronic pain was coming from. And like, 
like made doctor's appointments or like getting their body really cared for. And I was like, okay. Someone else was like, my therapist has been telling me to do like body scans or body maps for years. Mm -hmm. And I just like, didn't, you know, it like didn't resonate. Um, And she's like, now I'm doing them all the time. So that feels amazing because that practice, the first time I ever did a body map, it was like, I think it was right before I started therapy, right before I really like started Mm -hmm. knowing how to care for my mental health. I was just having like a full panic attack in my car. I had to go into a restaurant. I don't remember what I was doing, but like I had to go and like be a, you know, a person in a the person, world. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> Show up. yeah, it was not okay. And so I was like, all right, I have like five minutes. What do I have? And I looked around my car and I had an notebook and pen and I just like drew this really crude outline of a body, like, a you know, the little murder, murder outline in a cartoon. Yeah. And I just started labeling, like mapping what I was experiencing in my body onto the page. And it's like, I could just, it's like, I could feel it coming out of me and like Mm -hmm. living there. There was like a space and a softness. And I often draw my arms really, really long, like noodles, Uh um, because that's, it's how it feels like they're just like piled down there and I can't get them. And it's like, I could feel them retracting up into my body. Like where it was like the wildest experience and yeah I like I sat there I did this body scan and I was obviously I wasn't like fine or healed but I was able then to go and continue and like Mm -hmm. do the thing that I needed to do yeah sometimes that was just like yeah it's just about getting us to the next step Yeah, it was enough of a pause, enough of space to be like, oh, I'm feeling this buzzing sensation in my arms. So then I was like noticing it versus just being consumed by it. And so now body maps have just like, I make them all the time, nonstop. And I'm just like constantly diagramming my body. And now I really understand like reoccurring sensations and I can start to associate them like, oh, I'm feeling this thing. Okay, that probably means I'm feeling anxious or depressed or like this thing's coming up for me. And I know I have this toolkit or this resource Mm -hmm. that will care for that. Like, Mm -hmm. are my arms feeling really long? Can I go ask someone to squeeze my arms for me Mm -hmm. so that I can actually feel where my body is in space? So it is body maps have helped so much in just me understanding somatics and the way that my, what it means when my body starts feeling a certain way. So that that was a really long answer, but that is so exciting to me that 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 practice is resonating with people. Mm-hmm. And then just generally folks are like, it makes you want to make something. Like, I just want to go make something. And I'm just like, yes, <laughs> yes, that's all I want. That's all I want. Um, they're like, it was permission. I feel so much permission. Yeah. And if nothing else, like job well done. That's all I need is for a handful of people to feel a little freer or a little that like making and releasing something is accessible to them. Mm. I mean, really, that's what we all want to be able to do. And to have like a gift of a collaboration from you, from your brain, sending it out kind of to the anonymous person and and that person saying, I've been waiting for this. I feel like journaling is not something that I've embraced, but I've really been thinking about it. I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago named Brandy, and she had a whole message about that in a practice she does. And I think with this book, I just feel like what you said, you know, when you get it out there, that's when you begin to start noticing it, talking about it, whatever it is. Um, you It's helping yourself. And I feel like this book is just full of joyful 
assistance to be creative and and be yourself. Yeah. And I think there's something really validating. I love a zine um, Mm -hmm. because like, I think naturally if you see a book, we just associate that it is real and true and Mm -hmm. there's this validity to it. And Mm -hmm. a little zine is this tiny book. And if I can write my feelings down in a zine, it's like, oh, they were acknowledged. They were noticed. Mm -hmm. They're real. Whether or Mm -hmm. not they're like true or I'm going to act on them or like do any of the things that I'm like screaming onto the paper. It's like, validated it's noticed it is like everything you're feeling is valid it's real and it's also maybe not true like both of those things can co- coexist but i can't get to th- to breaking down the true part or like how i want to respond until i've acknowledged it because the more that i like ignore it or push it away just like the bigger it comes yeah. There's a quote that's attributed to, I'm going to get his name wrong, Victor Frankl. Mm-hmm. And he's like, between stimulus and response, there's space. Mm. And in that space is your power to choose your response or something like that. And that's what art making is for me. It's like stretching out the space between feeling something and then like taking some kind of action. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you do this work. <laughs> it's really <laughs> great. You've also had immediate kind of response because you've just come off your book launch week where you traveled around and were in front of people. How was that as a, I don't know, artists aren't always extroverts, <laughs> you know, putting something out into the world that is then assessed. How did that go? How did it feel? It's been going amazing. I I booked just so many events in St. Louis. I didn't really have the the finances to extend beyond uh, my city at this time. I'm hoping in the fall to get to the coasts, but yeah, I have just like piled things on top of myself, but I've really removed everything else. So I- I've been exhausted. Like it mm-hmm. has been such a joy and such a delight in the moment of the event. And then I am destroyed the next day, just like wiped. So both and, but the response has been stunning, beautiful. This Friday, I opened a solo show at this like little queer owned gallery that I adore. And it was so surreal. I had so many friends traveling from out Mm. of town who surprised me and came. The first half of the night was just like all my beloveds, you know, just like there, like holding me and looking at my work. And then as the night went on, it was just like strangers. The gallery was just full of people I didn't know. And Mm. it was was really wild because I've shown a little bit of work, but mostly my work lives on Instagram and it's like zines and stuff. Nothing that's like put in a gallery space i've only shown in a gallery maybe a handful of times and to have my only my work filling this whole space was totally real i just posted on instagram something this morning about just like is this real and i just keep going around being like i think maybe i'm an artist (laughs) and i'd be like maybe maybe this stuff is real maybe is this real and i just keep saying this stuff to my friends over and over and it sounds kind of ridiculous but that's how it feels to me i'm just like wait is this thing for real? Yeah. And I like kind of whisper it. Yeah, it was the most beautiful night. I could not, I, it could not have been more stunning. So glad. Majority of the show was, I do a blind contour portrait every day, roughly every day. Mm. And then I title it with just like whatever I'm feeling in that moment. So I printed 350 of those out and oh, had wow. them hanging. And so it's really this like narrative of just like everything I've been experiencing. <sighs> And to see those like hitting people in the way that like they hit me was so, yeah, yeah, it was really beautiful. It was such a gift to experience that. 
with other folks and just, I think one of the responses was just like, oh, you too. Like, I'm not alone. That wasn't just me. And that's exactly the response that I want to mm-hmm. my work. If I want, if it like makes the world a little less lonely and mm-hmm. if it inspires someone else to like make a thing, to like not feel like there's a space between them and creativity. Mm. I'm time stamping that statement because I want to come back <laughs> to that thought. Oh my gosh. I I just think there's something so it's so personal, right? Our art, especially when when we when it's vulnerable art, when you're doing a drawing of yourself every day or your thoughts or whatever however that comes out, right? And then you choose to show it to people. Let's just say it was a bird or a flower. Okay, I'm I'm showing you this bird or this flower, but you're showing them how, what did I write down? Soft body, soft hug. That was one of my favorite posts. You know, it gets very personal, but the personal part then touches other people's personal parts. Then you add a queer, beautiful mom in the middle of the country, which isn't easy. So then you're welcoming in and making a safe space for yet an entire other element. So your hug is so big that you're giving and getting, you know, from so many. And I just so appreciate it and just wanted to say, I feel it. And I'm sure so many other people do too. And I'm so glad that Friday night felt that way for you because that means we'll get more. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's this like first and foremost is for me, like I don't, yeah, that's I didn't the cool create part. those drawings yeah. for anyone else. And I, I shared some, I shared a bunch of sketchbooks on the show and then some collaborative drawings I made with Charlie. In the back of my head, I think the collaborative drawings, I was like, this is work I'm going to, sh- this is going to be something. But the sketchbooks are just mine. Like that is yeah. my practice and the the blind drawings are a personal practice that never, I don't create them in the moment for anything else and they're so quick and so fast that's the other thing was I filled an entire gallery with a 30 second practice that I do every day and I put Uh every day in quotes because I miss entire months Uh like I didn't draw I don't think I did any like not in the way that I I did draw myself but not in this form of practice in 2020 like I was pregnant I was miserable I was not doing those and yet like this practice has been with me since 2015 like that's Mm -hmm. when I started doing these daily. So it's like, it doesn't have to be every day. You can miss a million days. Uh, you can start again and again and again. There's so many of the drawings where I've like missed the caption is just like, you can begin again. Like we're starting over. And it's just like, that's the thing. It's not, I think sometimes people are like, Oh, you're so disciplined. And I'm like, I'm not, I am a lazy fuck. And (laughs) I do the thing that feels good. And that supports me. The discipline, if I have any, is that I return after it's fallen apart and I've stopped and mm. I just keep returning and returning and returning. So if there is any, that is what I'm a student of. That is what mm. I am like bowing to surrendering is just this like starting over and over and over and over again, because there's no, I'm not like, I don't have the fortitude to be like pushed through when something doesn't feel good. That's not, yeah. me. I'll, I'll just be crumpled on the floor. 
Hey there, Windowsill Chats listeners. This is your host, Margo, and I'm here to share some new and exciting opportunities with you. Do you want to dive even deeper into the conversations we have in the Windowsill? Well, I have got a treat for you. In case you missed it, we launched our very own Patreon channel a couple of months ago, and our community continues to grow and evolve every day. And it's the perfect way for you to get involved and support the continuation of these thought-provoking conversations. Joining our Patreon community allows you to be a crucial part of what we do here and take windowsill chats to the next level. Now I know what you're thinking, there must be a cost to this, but hold on a sec, guess what? For less than the cost of a single coffee a week, you can become a proud member of our Patreon family. Yep, for just $5 a month, you can support this podcast and ensure that these conversations will continue to be heard. Our Patreon community is where the magic happens. Not only will you get exclusive behind-the-scenes content, early access to new episodes, and bonus conversations with special guests, but you'll also be able to connect with other like-minded listeners who share your passion for artistry, creativity, and learning. By joining Patreon, you're making sure that these conversations keep flowing and I can continue to bring you the diverse perspectives and insights you've come to love. Your support directly impacts the quality and frequency of these episodes, and I couldn't do it without you, truly. So if you believe in the power of ideas and the beauty of human connection, I invite you to check out our Patreon page today. Simply head over to patreon.com backslash in the windowsill or just search in the windowsill and select the membership tier that best suits you. Remember, it's less than the cost of one coffee a week, but the impact you'll make is truly immeasurable. Thank you for being part of our incredible community and helping us keep these conversations alive and thriving in the windowsill. Your support means the world to me, and I can't wait to see you over on Patreon. That's www.patreon.com in the windowsill. Patreon.com backslash in the windowsill. Oh my gosh, I love that. There's so much there, right? Just the fact that those blind drawings over time, which you've done for yourself, then obviously impressed or made an imprint on or could be related to by those that were taking them in. Ah, yeah. Instead of this is my masterpiece. No, this is my life and I'm sharing it. And thank you for coming. You know? Yeah. And anyone can have a 30 second or a minute practice. Yeah. Like you can tuck these little, I guess this is another thing that I talk about in the book is just, piggyback it on something that already exists. I take medicine every morning. I went and got a pill case that has a mirror on it and my notebook and my pill case and my pen sit on my kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just, I just layered them all together. Like I'm not doing any extra work. Mm-hmm. Like I will not, I have to set every condition <laughs> for myself ahead of time to make that function. And it's taken a lot of time. You know, it's, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is about this practice that is stuck. I've started so many other things that I'm like, this is going to be a daily, this is going to be my new hundred day project. And I get to day 30 and I'm just like, nope, this sucks. <laughs> so it's like, there's not one magic thing, but when you find it, it like, is there for you? And it doesn't have to be grand. I think that people often think that art making, because it does often hit us in such a grand way, mm-hmm. they think yeah. that the making of it is grand and it is almost never mm-hmm. grand. It is me like bawling my eyes out, scribbling on a receipt. You know, that is not a grand moment. And I have this like, you know, you can see beside me, I have like letter presses and an etching press and I have this like big, messy studio. I'm not a minimalist, but the work that I'm making that hits people, that has people crying in a gallery is stuff that I scribbled in 30 seconds. Uh Like it is, you don't need to, I just like, I just want to hug everyone in the world and be like, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be 
You don't have to be skilled. You don't need to know anything. If mm. you can like scribble on a sticky note, you can make something and you can offer yourself relief. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. That's the gift. I was going to ask kind of how would you encourage others to experiment and explore their own self-expression? Kind of what is your definition? And I feel like you just kind of gave that definition, but how do, when you see others looking at your work or when you think about your book or whatever, how, how do you encourage or how would you suggest to others? I think it's curiosity first. It's just like noticing, paying attention. Mm -hmm. Like, are you drawn to a leaf on your walk? Mm -hmm. Like just like pause for an extra second and look at the leaf. It doesn't need to be in anything. Just like notice what are you drawn to? So I feel like so much of my practice in the last three years is like from watching my toddler and reading Mary Oliver. Mm -hmm. And both of those things are just like, be right here and pay attention. Like we go for walks and it's like every like four strides, we're stopping to look at a crack or an acorn or a leaf. And it is some days, a lot of days, it is the most annoying, infuriating thing. I'm like, get in a stroller. I need to power walk to like, this is my (laughs) moment. But when I can slow that down and be like, we're taking a little scavenger hunt stroll. We were walking the other night and he like, right now everything's a mystery. I know this is a tale about Charlie, but I think this answers your question. Oh, I think it relates. He's like, so we're walking along. He's like, he stops and he sees, you know, all the like stress fracture cracks in the sidewalk. He's like, it's a mystery. And I was like, okay, what's, what's the mystery? Like, we're going to figure out. He's like, it was an ostrich. And then we created this whole narrative about this ostrich I was walking through because, and like, I could see where that, like the ostrich foot might leave that cracked mm-hmm. footprint. And then we like told this whole story about it. And it was all he did was like, follow the next layer of curiosity. He was like, saw a crack. He was curious. He like related that back to something that's in his immediate context, which is all these little like mystery shows, you know, it's like the mm-hmm. little bears like running around to like solve something. Right. Um, and I don't know, ostriches have been a big thing in our house recently. You know, it's like all that stuff came together and then he told a story and we had this magical moment. And I think that's the same for us as adults, you know, like I am the thing that I'm really curious about and always drawn to that I still have no idea how it fits to my practice or what the point of it is, is the sky. Constantly mm-hmm. photographing the sky. I don't know what it is. My phone is full of it. I post them. I make zines about them sometimes. Um, and I just follow that. I'm just like, I just keep taking photos of the sky and like collecting them doing it for years. I don't know what it is, but I think that in answer to your up. question is just like, what is your, what are you curious about? It'll show mm-hmm. up and don't, I mean, if you have the time, love it like a whole afternoon or an hour every Saturday. Great. But like the thing is like, make it the most do it, make it so simple that it almost doesn't feel real mm. and attach it to something that already exists Mm. but like just if you have this idea like just how small how condensed how tiny how absolutely minuscule can you make that thing and then as you like keep doing it if you're like wanting to create a regular practice like the endorphin rush from seeing things add up is so I mean for me that's just very satisfying it is it's the it's it's the consistency but like you said consistency might not look like consistency but over a period of time, if you can come back to something, there it is. Yeah, the starting over, starting over, starting over, starting over. It There's like no perfection. Or yeah, if you can release perfection even a little bit, I think is, is a goal. You know, 
you said something a minute ago, and I, I meant to circle back around to it then, but it's it's the whole idea of being creative and the pressure we put on ourselves about that. Oh, I'm a creative. Can I call myself an artist? Can I call myself creative? And I was at a gathering this weekend with a bunch of gals and somebody said, what do you mean creative podcast? Because somebody said, oh, she has a podcast. And I said, well, I feel like everybody's creative. We're inherently creative. So it's an interest. It's interesting conversations. And she was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm in the medical field and I do this and that. But then she went away and came back and she had a really interesting story to tell me. It wasn't about making art, but it was about solving a problem, which, hello, we need creative solutions. And I just thought something about that comment stuck with her. And I feel like with your book and these thoughts and reading things like you post, it's that opening, right? For us to say, oh yeah, maybe that is me too. And to if you do pair it back to something really simple on a scrap of paper or a receipt, we can all do that. Everyone can do that. Or you can gather things. I often think of my mother-in-law She'll like say things about me being creative or her not being creative sometimes, but she has this really gorgeous practice of finding rocks. She loves hiking. So they like go on all these hiking trips and she brings, she has this collection of rocks that look like hearts. And then she has these like tiny, really beautiful ones that she has like all laid out in this type case hung in her dining room. And it's this regular practice of paying attention, of being Mm. present, capturing the thing that's beautiful to her and like bringing it back in a collection and arranging it in a way that's gorgeous. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that is your practice. Like yeah. that is the point of this is not that we're all like creating gorgeous, huge works of art. It's that like you were present, you're in your body, you paid attention, you gathered beauty. Yeah. And you saw it a certain way. You saw it. Yeah. yeah like Mary Oliver is like, when you, when I saw it, I saw it. And that was what mattered. Like, it's just being here with, you know, the blade of glass or the grasshopper eating the sugar out of her hand. You know, it's like, it's that simple. Yeah. And it's taking the time to see it. Like you said about Charlie and his walks or your mother-in-law collecting the rocks. It's taking, making, giving yourself the time to see it. We Mm -hmm. are in such a different world. We rush and... We don't always give ourselves the time. So right there is a good place to start. A few quiet moments. Yeah, I think moments. that's the hardest spot because we don't have a lot of time. And I think we build it up in our head for how much time it takes. And so I'm like talking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm like, it doesn't take any time. And I'm also like, you have to take the time. Yeah. But I think it's a really a mindset shift of being like, I pay attention. I see things and being like, every day I'm going to know one thing that I saw or like one thing that I felt and just making a practice of noticing mm. and as you notice, you're going to be drawn to something and then you're going to follow that little rabbit trail. Yeah. And it's each individual step is not going to feel like anything, but when you put it together, the cumulative effect is something gorgeous and beautiful. Yeah. I was going to ask you, which, how do you handle creative blocks and what might be a tip if somebody's got your book or is listening to this and thinking, oh, all I need to make is some time. If somebody feels like they are blocked or you are, what do you do about that? I make space to get bored. Mm. I go out in nature. Mm-hmm. I like go. So I feel like there is seasons of input and output. Mm. Right. Mm. And so if I am feeling blocked, I probably am like empty. I'm like wrung out. 
Mm-hmm. And so then I'm like, I'm finding audiobooks and finding stuff to listen to. I'm going to museums and walking around antique stores, which is like my favorite place to go when I'm feeling stuck or blocked. Same. Um, but yeah, if I'm blocked, like that means I need to go and like fill back up. There's nothing in there. Or I'm like probably so busy or like my mind is so consumed that like I can't even see something. So I making space for me to get bored is one of the best creative tips. Mm. Like hide your phone from yourself yeah. for a day yeah. or just like like go somewhere, take yourself out to a coffee shop, but don't bring anything with you. And be like, I'm mm-hmm. going to stay here for an hour. I love that. Yeah, getting bored or going and filling up. I think like the more that you try and like produce something when there's nothing coming out of you, like the more stuck that you're going to be. Well, and it's, I don't feel like it's going to be authentic. It's, it's yeah. just going to be, oh, I just did it because I felt like I had to. And also I spin my wheels and I sit staring at my computer screen thinking something brilliant is going to come out. And it doesn't. And the thing that I'm learning so much, which I would never call myself a writer. I think like in my like secret dreams, I want to write. But I always think writing happens. Like you just sit down at your computer and you're like, you write for an hour <laughs> and all these fully formed paragraphs come out of you. And Not for me, for actually, me. <laughs> no, writing happens like in these tiny snippets in my like notes app, yeah. In my sketchbook, they're mind maps. It's conversations I've had. It's like sticky notes. So writing for me happens when I'm not writing. Like mm. the actual writing part is the like record keeping of all the writing that I was doing. Mm-hmm. In my life. So it's like, I'm like kind of just filling up and like connecting things. And then it just kind of spills out and I write it down. But if I like sit down at the computer and don't have thoughts sitting there longer, it's not going to yeah. produce anything. No, I... I- as a matter of fact, those are the times that I feel the most blocked when I'm trying mostly to write something because I just feel the pressure I put on myself. I don't know where that came from, somewhere along the way. And and it's true when you have a thought or a feeling. And I feel like as well, if you can spend that time in the morning or however it shows up in the day, like, oh, I'm just going to write down how I'm feeling right now, or I want to keep that memory of that meal I had or whatever it is, then... There's a tidbit there. It's like, gosh, I wish we could talk to Mary Oliver. You know, I feel like when she was out by herself noticing something, she wrote a little bit of that down and then she she wrote more. She let us know. And, oh, it's such a gift. Yeah, she didn't sit in her house writing. Like she writes so many poems about, I sat down to write today, but it's spring. And so now I'm standing on my porch step and now the birds <laughs> are singing and now I'm this place. And she's like, maybe the world without me is the poem. And it's like, yes, this is going to happen. It happens out here. yeah. And then you make a record of it, which is, I think, going back to like, if you're stuck, you don't know where to start, just document. Like, yeah. I'm sitting here. If I was like, I want to draw something, I just draw the contents of my desk. Like, what mm-hmm. is right here? I could draw you. I draw myself so much because I'm just like right here. I'm always here with myself. Yeah. So documentation is an incredible place to start because like, just like, just look around and notice one thing around you and draw it or write about it. And drawing is my medium. So I talk about this in the context of drawing a lot, but you could take a photo, you could draw, write a poem about it. You could collage it. You could like build a Pinterest board inspired by it. Like there's yeah. creativity comes in so many ways. I'm doing an online course right now. And I asked the prompt was for people to note like where they are right now to map out, like, where are you like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like, where mm-hmm. are you? 
And one of the options I gave was building a Pinterest board. Mm, good one. And a couple of people did that. And it was so cool. Yeah. Cause they just gathered visuals that already yeah. existed and mm-hmm. like, but the curation of them, which is curating is such an art form. They were able to visualize like where they were and like infer stuff from it. And then we had this conversation about what it was to be in this place based on these images that they gathered. Wow. I love that. I was, that was going to be my next question is what kind of just creative input and inspiration do you get from your students? And I would imagine it's both from your students and how you respond to and react to them. Yeah. Wow. My students, I teach in so many different forms. Like I teach online and I teach on ground in a classroom. And what do you teach? I teach the like sophomore sequence of the graphic design program Okay. at Maryville University. So it's a, it's like a, requ- so it's a required course. And so the first day of class, I was like, why are you here? And you don't get to say because the course is required um, because that's like right. a really shitty reason for you to show up. And that's yeah. not going to keep you coming. Also, I didn't ask you if cursing here. So oh, okay. sure. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. I'm a little bit of a sailor. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I'm like, that's not a good reason. That's not going to get you out of bed. That's not going to motivate you. Um, So something that I learned from the classroom when I'm teaching on ground is like undoing. Um, I feel like so much of my work in the classroom is undoing the whip, what they think that it means to learn and Mm, work. Big one. I'm just like, nope, let's undo that. Let's undo that. They come into the classroom and like the energy is off. It's bad. I'm like, everyone go outside. I don't want to see you for 30 minutes until you have like breathed until your body feels softer until you've like found something that you love. I mm. don't want to see your face. Um, and talking about what their body is like to there's so the classroom is such a disembodied space. Yeah. And these are three hour studios in front mm. of a screen with wow. like fluorescent lights above us. This is not conducive to creativity. It's not. I'm just like, where are your snacks? Where's your water bottle? Yeah. Like, how are you taking care of this resource? Like everything you're taking the entire world and through your body, you're filtering it through your like experiences, what you understand about the world, your values, and then you're putting that back out. And that's what your work is. So if you're not taking care of this, Mm. I'm like, have you peed? Like, do you need to go to the bathroom? Right. Because you're not going to be able to focus. That's where we like start. Yeah. But it's like body awareness. It's just paying attention to their body. One of my proudest moments, it was like towards the end of the semester and a student come in, we had this, they were like filming these stop motions. It was kind of like an intense, like it was requiring a lot of them. And she came up to me and she was like, I just need you to know I started my period and I'm having such bad cramps and I don't know how present I'll be today. Oh. And I was just like, this is like, if I've taught you nothing, this is what I want you to know. And I was like, great. I'm so glad I told you. Let's check in with your collaborators on the project. Let's see what you need. And let's see. And she ended up staying the whole day, but she was having so much anxiety about whether or not she could perform. And we like worked this thing. I was like, okay, here are all the things that you can do. I was like, you can leave. You could go lay down with a hot water bottle. So the tension of like fulfilling the requirements, showing up to what it is to be a student and to fulfill the classwork and honoring that you are not a machine. And that, I mean, I am terrible at that. So I'm like, what I'm learning from like teaching that to them is how to do it back to myself. Well, you gave her permission. You gave the whole class permission. And which, I don't know, that feels kind of unique to me to to kind of go to the basics and say, okay, you're a human, you're here. 
do you have snacks? Have you peed? Where are you in your brain today? Let's start there. And certainly I'd never had anybody tell me that. I remember in my creative classes trying to think what, how, you know, I have the assignment. How would this teacher do it? Because that's how I'm going to get a good grade if I can get in her head. You know, it's just not, hey, how are you today? Then you really are starting to come from a place of learning what you're about. What a Because they graduate and they don't, they don't know what the fuck to do. Like for the first 12 years of their life, it's completely formulated for them. And then a lot of them, their parents just like put them, they're just like right in. I'm such a wild card because I like love being in school. I love school. And also I hate academia. And I like walk this tightrope of being there and just like, how much can I fuck shit up and like still like retain yeah. my position? Um, <laughs> which I'm oh, I, I love gives me so much flexibility. But yeah, they'll just be like, I'm just like, you could learn this anywhere. Like, why are you here? Like, if they're like, I've had students dozing off and I'm like, this is such an expensive place to pay, take a nap. Like oh. I will be paying off my student debt for the rest of forever. Like I owe more student debt than I owe on my house. Like yeah. this is a, such a dumb place to take a nap. If you don't want to be here, don't, yeah, don't be here. Yeah. You can't fool me. Learn this on YouTube. Yeah. It's just like, this is not, it's not a joke. Like it's really serious. Yeah. To be here and to be paying this amount of money and such a like honor and responsibility to get to be in this space. And if that's not for you, there's no shame, but like, go away. I know. I think it's such an interesting time. I really time. struggle with students who don't want to be there. I agree. I think it's such an interesting time though, that age, because there is such a dichotomy of kids who know what they want to do and are present to kids that don't know what they want to do or or don't know how to learn yet or or in this way or whatever it whatever it might be i'm just thinking back my kiddo is not a very self-motivated person right now at 15 and i i don't know i think that happens a lot at that age but then i ha- i see others that are so what's that thing is it self-confidence is, is it finding you know what is it and i look back at myself in school Listeners know the story of me dropping out of my Wayne Tebow art class because it was too early in the morning. So, like, what on earth? We see it (laughs) from such a different perspective when we're in it, right? When we're in the world and when we're we're living it. And I don't know. I don't I don't know if everybody should spend that money at that time in their lives. It's it's yikes. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, it's interesting about the morning. Like, I don't think that we're, well, more, okay. I'm a morning person. Love it. Live for like a 4.35 a.m. like quiet house. But like that is innate. I don't force myself out of bed. When I don't want to get out of bed, I'll lay in bed till nine. Like yeah. I am not, I, from the outside, in a lot of ways, I look disciplined. Not in the <laughs> way that people generally use that word. But I don't think that we talk to people enough about listening to their body. Some people are not morning people. Their brain does not function. If you want me to carry on a like intelligent conversation, like it cannot happen after 8 PM. I like, mm-hmm. it's a running joke between like friends. I just fall asleep. I just anywhere. The amount of concerts and movies that I've slept through, uh, my body doesn't function after that, you know? And then from like two to five, I'm in a funk. Like I hate mm-hmm. everything and everyone and I'm grumpy, I, but I've like learned like the rhythm of my body and when certain work is really good for me, you know? Yeah. And so m- maybe you needed to take like a later class. I think but so. I don't think the students understand that no. 
And I think there's just so much honor is placed on like being a morning person or being, and it's like, also some people make their best work at 2am. Right. Oh yeah. I'm a stay up late person. And, but I do think, you know, the older we get and the more in the world we get, we realize we don't have to do all those things and that it's okay for us to be grumpy between two and five and maybe not be a morning person. So arrange your needs and your goals to fit it instead of, oh, well, here I am. I have to do this thing. Oh, I'm so grateful for this, for the years for those reasons. Like, no, I'm just not going to be good at that ever. So you do it. I'm not going mm-hmm. to. Yep. The permission I've like, and this has been only in the last few years, I've really understood that afternoon slump. And it was like so revealed to me through like pregnancy and postpartum. It was like a dreaded that time of day. And I am, it's so much better now, but I'm just like, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to lay in my hammock. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to like make myself a really nice drink and watch a show. Like, I just don't, I don't require something of myself. And also like, if I really have to push through, I can. Sure. But if shit feels off, And I'm like, oh, it's that time of day. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to be so much better at this if I go give myself 30 minutes or an hour playing, resting, doing whatever. And then I'll come back and I'm like, everything is like fresh eyes, you know? Mm -hmm. But this like knuckling through, which is so valued in our society, is like the opposite of what actually is productive or like useful. It's so true. And I, I do find myself... I have to remind myself sometimes. It's like, who are you trying to impress by doing that? (laughs) Because it's all you. Nobody's asking you for that. They're asking you for the best you. So what does that take, right? And and really not asking you for anything. (laughs) They're just, they're trying to do their own thing. I feel like after I get and spend some time with this book, then we should chat again. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that too. I can't wait to come to St. Louis now and see more of your work and you. Oh my gosh. Yes. Let's hang out. I'll take you to all my favorite spots. Okay. And maybe I'm sure if you know all the antique, if you're an antiquer like I am, then I'm not going to show you anything you don't know, but yeah, well, I'm not like hardcore. So you might know, have you been to green shag? (gasps) Where is it? It's on Manchester, like, like right outside of the Grove. No. Oh, it's the, okay. Okay. It's on the list. (laughs) Tell me who's inspiring you these days. Oh gosh. Who's inspiring? Well, I know that I have said her name so many times, but Mary Oliver. 100%. One of the very best. Constantly. I've read her. I spent like two or three months this year and I read her every day. And it was such a spiritual experience. So Mary Oliver. um, I talk about Kate Bingham Burt in the book. And she's someone, if people are like, I don't know where to start. Find her TEDx talk, Rules of Engagement watch that and just go like follow her the joy look at her like daily you two have you ever met each other yes yeah I got to teach a workshop in her studio like a million years ago yeah I I'm obsessed with her she's great um Andy J Pizza who has creative pep talk podcast he just put out a book we had the same book birthday oh Uh, the book he co-authored with his wife called Invisible Things it's a good one incredible that's a great one. Well, I'm giving book recommendations, Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, mm-hmm. uh, which I often also reference in my book. Yeah, I think those are... You had another person on your list who is inspiring me to no end these oh, days. Yeah. Oh, you asked me this, but I forget what I said. Andrea Gibson. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Andrea Gibson. Forever. 
For those of you who don't know who she is, go look her up on Instagram. I think it's Andrea Gibson. I'll have to, I'll put it in the show notes, but she is the most honest person I know right now. I can think of because of what she's going through in life with cancer diagnosis and stuff, but she is so freaking refreshing. I just, she's one of those people I, I love to listen to because she's a gift. And I think everyone you mentioned is like you, Caitlin, where they are being honest and listening to what's going on around them and what's in their heart and on their mind and what they see in their life with their students or their kids or whatever. So you can put yourself on that list, my dear. So I do have to ask too, how can people get in touch with you and find you and what are the best ways and the titles of your books, all those things? Yes. So the first book is My Body, My Home. Uh, I don't remember the subtitle. And the (laughs) current book is Feel Something, Make Something, A Guide to Collaborating with Your Emotions. And you can get either of those, I think, any place books are. I mean, obviously Amazon. You can go through Random House, um, but support your local bookstore. You can also request it at your library, which I didn't know. You could just request books. Yes. But they didn't. I mean, obviously you can request a book at a library, but like you can send them like, this is a new book. Mm. You should uh, acquire it, which is cool. Um, Instagram, that's where I'm most present and like current. And I have a Patreon. We meet once a month on the last Sunday and have this really sweet gathering uh, where I offer up a prompt and then everyone mutes themselves and shares Mm. music recommendations. We make stuff for like 45 minutes and we come back and chat about it. So that's uh, another great spot if you want a little more. It's great. And I, yeah, Patreon is uh, like pay what you can starting at $5 and you have access to everything. So I noticed that. I noticed you have a sliding scale, which I thought was great. Yeah, it just felt, yeah, I love that. I just want my work to exist in the world. And then I feel better about like what I charge on Etsy if you want to buy stuff. So pretty much everything that I've created is available on Patreon for download. Um, but then like work, like letterpress work or like one-on-one coaching and stuff is a lot more expensive, mm-hmm. but there's like levels or ways to access my work. I noticed too, that you do, you'll do drawings for people depending on what they write to you. Do you, you still offer that on your Etsy? Yeah. Yeah. Those I open and close, uh, when I have like the spoons to do it, but I love when people just send me something that they're feeling or want documented and then I just draw it and send it back to them. So it's, you don't know what you're going to get. I don't know what I'm going to draw, but I just draw something. Mm, I yeah. Love I love that. doing that. I do commissions on a limited basis and I work very selectively with design clients. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for this. This is just this was delightful. Felt so easy and fun. That's the whole idea is just, hey, let's come on here and talk about things that others might find interesting. So thanks for that. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.